I'm going to have you turn to a scripture. It's going to take you a little while to get there, so you might want to get started. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. All right? Take your time. Try past the table of contents, in case you're wondering. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the state you've given. We thank you for your blessings. I pray, Lord, that you bless our study tonight. Uh, help me as I teach. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would use this for your honor and glory. Uh, God, as we uh, dive into this book and uh, try to search out the things that you have for us, things that we need to know, I pray that you would help me as I study and uh, help me to rightly divide your word. I pray that uh, we would have great discussion as we go through these lessons. Uh, Lord, that you would bring up things that maybe we haven't noticed or seen before and uh, that we can discuss that and talk about it and grow to a, a deeper knowledge of you. Uh, but most importantly, Lord, as we study the book of Genesis, I know that uh, one of the greatest things that we could find is uh, that you are God and that we were made for you. And I pray that you help us to see that as we go through this book. We love you and we thank you for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name that we pray. All right, Genesis chapter 1. I, I want us to start a study uh, through the book of Genesis. And uh, Genesis is uh, a very interesting book. Uh, it is kind of long. There's about 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. So it, it may take us a little while. And I don't know how fast or how slow we're going to go through this book. Uh, but I want us to take all the time that we need to take, right? And uh, we'll just we'll look at it and uh, we'll, we'll try not to draw it out. But I don't want us to get through, through it too quickly either. Uh, because there's so many things here uh, in this wonderful book. The book of Genesis is, is a, a very important book of the Bible in that it answers, answers clearly and directly the answers of life. Uh, Genesis answers questions like, uh, where did everything come from? Uh, how did everything get here? Why are we here? And what does God want from us? Have any, any of you ever wondered some of those questions yourself? Think about that. I mean, those are uh, basically the questions of life. Uh, how do we get here, right? How many of you ever heard somebody ask that question before? Something like it. Why are we here? I hear that one more than anything else. Why are we here on earth? Uh, that's a question that so many people uh, just have no idea what the answer to that is. Uh, how did everything get here? There's so much debate on, on, uh, on how the earth uh, is present, on how the universe was made. And, uh, of course, scientists have all their theories on, on, on how all that happened. Uh, you know, and, and what does God want from us? Okay, if, if there is a God who created the heavens and the earth, if there is a God uh, who made us and, and all that, then what does He want from us? Okay, what, what's His purpose for us here on this earth? And, and all those questions are truthfully answered and accurately answered in only the first 11 chapters of this book. The book of Genesis also gives an accurate historical account of how God called out the nation of Israel for Himself and how they arrived in the land of Egypt. Now, I want us to go over oh, just a little bit of background information. This is just basically an introductory uh, lesson to the book of Genesis. Um, the book of Genesis was written by Moses to the nation of Israel. Now, why do you think, I'll throw a question out there, why do you think that uh, God inspired uh, this book to be written? What, what would be the purpose of us having the book of Genesis? Anyone with a thought? You ever thought about that before? You ever asked why God may have given, given us a certain book? 
Because each one, if he inspired each one, if there's a reason why he gave it to us. All right, so why? Okay, all right, so we would know who, who he really is, right? So we would know God. Anyone else have thought on, on why he would have given us the book of Genesis? Well, it's where everything began. Okay. And, uh, you know, kind of like what Miss Nancy was just pointing out there, remember that the book of Genesis was not written while these things were happening. It was written by Moses. When did Moses live? A while after all these things took place, right? And, uh, and so he wrote it sometime after he had led the, uh, the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt sometime while they were out in the wilderness is, why, is when uh, he penned the book of Genesis. And so he was writing it uh, not only as a testimony to the other nations that were out there of who the true living God was, but as a testimony to his own nation, which was still toying around uh, with the idea of, of whether he's the only God or whether there are other gods and, and all these other questions that were coming up in their, and doubts in their own minds. And so uh, that's why the book of Genesis was given to us of course, now it stands also as a testimony to all those who read it today uh, of who God is and, and how he made uh, the heavens and the earth and all those other things. And so that is the re those are the reasons why uh, God gave us this book. Now, the date in which Genesis was written is really unknown, uh, but we know that it had to have been written before the death of Moses. Go figure that, right? Uh, but that, that death occurred somewhere uh, around 1400 B.C. It would have been hard for him to write it after he died, so it had to have been before that, right? Keep praying for those better jokes, okay? I appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, work with me, people. Uh, so we know that it was written sometime before 1400 B.C. Now, uh, the purpose for writing Genesis was threefold. Um, first of all, there's a historical purpose, and the historical purpose was to have a written record for the Hebrews of the power of Jehovah in creation. Uh, God's covenant with Noah, God's covenant with the patriarchs, uh, to have an accurate historical account of how God called out the nation of Israel for himself, and how they came to the land of Egypt. And they get all of that in the book of Genesis, all the way up from uh, when God said, let there be light, uh, until, uh, until the, the family of Israel, or Jacob, uh, moved into the land of Egypt. So it was an account of, of everything that happened uh, from, from point A to point B, how they got to where they were. Uh, there's a doctrinal purpose as well, and that, of course, is to show God's faithfulness to his promises. And there are some promises in the book of Genesis that we see that are fulfilled in the book of Genesis. And then there are some promises in the book of Genesis that are fulfilled later on, and, and some that we're still, I believe, waiting on to be filled. Uh, there's also a Christological purpose, and, uh, and when I say Christological, what I mean is a Christ-centered uh, uh, focus, and that is to point to Christ, uh, who would be the seed of the woman, as we find in Genesis chapter 5, or 3, verse 13, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, he is the line of Seth, 
uh, found in Genesis 4.25. He's the son of Shem in Genesis 9.27. He's the offspring of Abraham, Genesis 12 and verse 3. Remember that God told Abraham that through his seed all nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, how is that brought to pass uh, more fully than through Christ and the salvation that he brought to all people? Uh, he is the offspring of Isaac and of Jacob as well, both found in the book of Genesis, and from the tribe of Judah in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, uh, which is where Jacob, uh, whose name was changed to Israel, when Jacob uh, was on his deathbed and he called all the sons together and he gave Judah the blessing and said, uh, and said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, meaning that the kingly tribe would come out of Judah. And then he talks about uh, when Shiloh comes, and to him will all the gathering of the people be. And, uh, and so, of course, he is from the tribe of Judah. He is Shiloh. And uh, so there is a, definitely a Christological purpose there in the book of Genesis. Now, there are also some personal benefits uh, that we find there as well. First of all, as we've already kind of talked about, it's to cause us to better respect God's power and authority. And uh, as we go through the book of Genesis and we see the things that he did uh, with just the power of his voice, just the power of his word, uh, it helps us to understand uh, that he has power and that he has authority and, uh, and that that authority and power is, is over us as well. Like I said before, we belong to him. He is our God. And it is to remind us of our purpose on earth and to refresh our personal trust in Jehovah God. Now, I want us to go ahead and, and start looking at uh, some things from the book of Genesis. Uh, we're pretty much going to be staying right here where you are in Genesis chapter 1 and verse, uh, verse 1. We'll be getting back to that here in just a second. But Genesis is a book of beginnings. Uh, the Hebrew name for the book is Bereshit, uh, which means in beginning or in the beginning. Uh, the word Genesis or, or the name Genesis as we commonly know it now uh, was not given to this book until later on uh, when the Greeks came in and they wrote a uh, Septuagint. Anybody know what the Septuagint is? Giving you a history lesson here, I guess. Septuagint was uh, the translation of the Hebrew Bible into the Greek language. And uh, so when they did that, they gave us words like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, those all came from that Septuagint, that Greek translation of the Old Testament. Uh, and so that's where we get the word Genesis from, is from that translation. But the Hebrew people, the original name for this book was In the Beginning. Right? The first words of the, of the book, uh, In the Beginning. We find the same thing uh, for the other books as well. Their names were the first words there. That's what the whole book was about. And so Genesis is, when we talk about Genesis... It is a book of beginnings, as has already been pointed out before. That's what the whole thing is about. Not only is this the title, uh, but as we see, it's also the first word in the book of Genesis. And the entire book is full of beginnings, as we will see uh, here. Now, first of all, we see the beginning of the world in Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 31. We see the creation of the universe, the creation of the earth, the creation of plant and animal life. And finally, the creation of humanity. And so the beginnings of all those things right there in the first chapter. Uh, and in a second division, we find uh, the beginning of civilization in Genesis chapter 2 on down through chapter 5. Uh, we find the first people uh, who, of course, were, were who? Adam and Eve. Right. Very good. You passed. Uh, we have the first sin, uh, which was what? Okay. Um, they said the, fruit. The, fruit. the 
fruit, right. I was hoping somebody didn't say when they ate the apple. Uh, but when they ate the fruit, right? And uh, the forbidden fruit. And so that was the first sin. Uh, and then we have the first family, which was Adam and Eve and their sons, uh, Cain and Abel, and eventually Seth as well. And so there we go, the beginnings of, of all those different firsts that we see throughout the book. We have the beginning of the nations. Uh, keep in mind that, uh, you know, at the beginning there weren't nations. Those nations came from the first family. And, but as people began to multiply and began to go throughout the world, we see those nations beginning to form. Uh, in this division, we have the flood, of course, uh, which, which takes us back down to another first family. And then we have the, uh, the Tower of Babel, where after they began to, to multiply upon the earth, uh, they again turned away from God. And so uh, to keep them from, you know, from, from getting too far or getting too, uh, too bad, uh, he went ahead and, I don't know why I said getting too bad, but, but for things not to escalate to where they were before, uh, he confused their languages and separated the different nations. We find the beginning of Israel as well in Genesis chapter 11 uh, on down through chapter 50. And uh, we see the patriarchs. Who could tell me who the patriarchs were? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay, were the three patriarchs. Uh, we have the covenant. Uh, there's a covenant that was made with Abraham. And there's also a covenant after he made it with Abraham, he made it with his two sons as well. And um, not his two sons, his son and his grandson, excuse me, uh, with, with uh, Isaac and Jacob as well. So we have the covenant that's there in the book of Genesis. And also we find the move to Egypt is the last thing that we see there. Uh, but all these beginnings uh, on down through the entire book. Now, I want us just to, just for a second, I was thinking about this while we were talking here, uh, but we have the beginning of the nations, that beginning in chapter 6 on down through chapter 11, so we have all these nations that are breaking up, all these nations that are spreading throughout the world, but then at the end we have the beginning of another nation, the beginning of Israel. What was the purpose for God calling out the nation of Israel? Right. The purpose of this nation was to bring all these other nations to Christ. All these nations uh, that have been formed and spread throughout the world, they turned away from God. And, uh, and they weren't worshiping Him. They, they weren't uh, following the true God. They made up their own gods. And so out of all these nations, God called one to be an example and be a witness uh, to the nations that had turned from Him. And, uh, and so, and, and this, in the book of Genesis, we see how it is a book of beginnings. Any questions, comments about what we just looked at? All right. Now, the next thing I want to see is that Genesis is a book of history. Not only is it a book of beginnings, but it's a book of history. Uh, Genesis has also been called the book of generations. And uh, we find a generation in chapter 5 from Abraham to Noah, uh, the first man you know, on down to Noah, uh, from Noah down to Abraham in Genesis chapter 11, and then from Abraham to the nation of Israel, uh, and really that's found, it's not in one genealogy, but from chapter 12 on down to chapter 50, uh, we see where uh, Abraham's family, you know, eventually becomes the nation of Israel. And so it's a book of generations. Uh, the book of Genesis records from Eden all the way to Egypt. You ever think about it like that? From Eden all the way to Egypt. Genesis is a perfect historical account of the beginnings. Now, of course, uh, you know, we're, we're in a time now where the things that are recorded in Genesis 
are being questioned. Uh, you know, they're they're being they're trying to be proved by science or disproved by science, and uh, there's all these you know different philosophies that are out there. Of course, atheism. Uh, you know, they they don't support anything that's said here in the Book of Genesis because they don't believe in a God. Uh, agnostics would be the same because they don't know what they know, right? What agnostic means, not to know. And, and so they don't know what they believe. And so, of course, they dispute that. And then you have uh, evolution, of course, which teaches, uh, you know, completely opposite of, of what the book of Genesis says. And so there's so many rivals out there right now of the book of Genesis. But what's important for us to know, regardless of what anybody else thinks, regardless of, of what anybody else is saying, what's important for us to know is that the book of Genesis is perfect. Would you agree with that? It's perfect. It's a perfect account of what happened. I have a couple of verses that might remind us of this. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. You notice what that says. At least the first phrase. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. All Scripture is breathed out by God. That includes the book of Genesis. And so if, if the Scripture says that God spoke and the world began, there's nothing that you need to prove to me, right? That's it. God spoke and it's there. That's, that's all I need to know, right? It's perfect and, uh, and it happened exactly like the book says. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. Anybody have an idea of what that's talking about there? Holy men of God spake or spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And so Moses wrote, wrote this completely under the inspiration and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so it is. It's a perfect historic, historical account of how everything began. God spoke it, and then Moses wrote it. All right? Now, I want us to take a, just a short glimpse into the book uh, for a moment. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There are three foundational truths in this verse that I want us to consider. First of all, we find God's existence before the beginning. Okay, we'll talk about that in just a second. We find God's authorship from the beginning, and we find God's residence in the beginning. Okay, so God's existence before the beginning, His authorship from the beginning, and His residence in the beginning. Now, the first thing I want us to look at is this existence before the beginning. Uh, it says, in the beginning. Now, when I say God's existence before the beginning, that kind of sounds like it conflicts with one another, doesn't it? How, can, how could somebody exist before the beginning? Any thoughts on that? God has no beginning or end. He has no beginning or end. Well, how is that? He's just always been. He's just always been, right? Okay. And, and that's something that's hard to comprehend. It's hard for us to understand. Uh, but really what this means is uh, for God to exist before the beginning is that before anything existed, that he already was. Now, we know in the book of Genesis that it's, a, it's an account of how God, the originator of everything, brought everything into an existence. It's a book of beginnings. So everything had a beginning, but in order for all these everythings to have a beginning, there has to be someone who starts it all, right? And so he had to have already been present, already been alive, already been uh, on the throne before anything else was here on earth. Before anything else existed, he was. The name Jehovah, which is, you know, I know I'm saying that quite a bit tonight. I don't want anybody to, to think I'm getting crazy on anything, but uh, it's the name of God. It's the most holy name of God. And, uh, and it means self-existent. 
What, is, what does that tell you about God then? Just that name. What does it tell you about God? He's from everlasting to everlasting. Anybody else? Tells me nobody started him. Somebody started me, right? In Genesis chapter 1. But he, he was already there. He already existed. He self-existed. He had no creator. There is no amount of time that he existed before the beginning. And I've thought about that several times. I, I'm thinking about, you know, in my mind, I'm trying to think, you know, okay, so if God created time, all right, here he is, he, he creates time, and then everything that fits into that time, so how long was he there before he created time? I mean, was he there a million years? A billion years? But then there was no time. There was no billion years. So he was just there, right? He was just in, in eternal existence uh, before time again. Now, I have an illustration here to kind of help throw out what I'm, what I'm saying here. Uh, time is like a line. I know you've, you've seen this example before, but time is like a line. A line has a beginning, a line has an end. And everything that we know, everything that we comprehend, everything that we have experienced outside of, of God uh, fits within this. There, there is a time. There is a limit. There are boundaries. There's a beginning and there's an end. I went to the store today and I was going to buy a little protein shake. And uh, I got it to the counter. I paid for it and I looked on the top of it and it was uh, expired in, in December. <laughs> and so it had a beginning somewhere. It was Kellogg's. So it started somewhere. I know who made it. Uh, and it had an ending. It was a month ago. you know. And so there was no way I was drinking it. And uh, thankfully, they gave me money back, and I was able to get something else. But nevertheless, everything we know has a beginning and an end. You have a beginning. You will have an end. That is what uh, you know, time is consists of. Eternity is like a circle, though. Uh, there is no beginning and no end. When you look at this circle, I want somebody to tell me where that circle begins. Anybody? Does it begin right there? Huh? What about right there? Maybe? What about right there? Do you see a beginning anywhere on the circle? What about an end? Anybody find an ending there? No, it's just there. It's just a circle. Right? And, uh, and that's what eternity is like. Eternity, although it's hard for us to understand, it, it had no beginning. It had no end. It's just, it's just present. And, and that's how God uh, exists. He is an eternal being. And so then, you know, when we talk about how that in the beginning, God was already there, uh, you know, we could kind of fit a timeline within eternity there, you know, in the circle, and we get a better idea of how that is. You see, after everything stops, is there going to be an ending to this earth? Yes. Is there going to be an ending to time? Yes. Right? Is God still going to exist after all that's done? Yes. Alright? Exactly. And so he's going to be here after everything's gone. And so when we look back, if we look forward and, and know that about him, then it's not that hard to look back and just see that he was already here before everything began. He's eternal. And, uh, and so in the beginning, in the beginning, God created. He always was. That's what we find about him in this verse. 
We find God's authorship from the beginning. It says that in the beginning God created. Uh, the, an author, I'm sorry if that's hard to read, an author is one who creates a story. Uh, he thinks it, he plans it, and he expresses it in words. Uh, I've never written a book, but I've definitely written several papers. And uh, when I get ready to write a paper, I'll, I'll sit down and I kind of think of what I want to write. Uh, you know, whatever the subject is, I'll kind of get an idea of where I want to go. And then I usually will get a piece of paper out and I'll, I'll do some drawing. And I will, uh, you know, make a design. And, and uh, I'll try to outline everything and kind of have a direction of everything I'm going to do. And then I begin creating the story. I begin writing the story. I express what I want, what I, what I want to see there, I, I express it in words. And uh, when, we t- when we think about God as being the creator, uh, God is the author of all that is. He thought it, he planned it, and he created it by the very words of his mouth. Think about that, a story. You think it, you, you plan it out, and then you just say it. You just express it in words, whatever you want to see there. And that's exactly what he did. He, he, he created, he thought up light. Somehow, uh, in his creativity, uh, in his uh, infinite knowledge and mind, he knew that light was going to be something that we needed. And so he drew the plan up for it in his own mind. He spoke it, and there it was. He spoke it into existence. Everything that exists uh, is here by the word of his mouth. He is the author of our creation, and he is the author of our salvation. And then we find God's residence in the beginning as well. All right, so if God uh, created everything, if he was already present, already existing at the beginning, then where did he exist? Now, that's another question that's kind of plagued my mind as well. As you can tell, I have a vivid imagination sometimes. Uh, But as I'm thinking about, okay, Here's time, uh, you know, how long did God exist, you know, before everything was created? And, and then I started thinking, well, if everything was created after, then where was he? Was he just kind of sitting alone in darkness by himself? You know, and, and those, that's some, uh, where my thoughts uh, have gone in the past. Uh, but it says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. You ever wonder what it was like before creation? The New King James uh, Version actually uh, more accurately translates this verse. In the beginning, as it says here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, as we look in in the King James Version, uh, it says God created the heaven, singular, the heaven and the earth. The New King James Version brings a little bit like that. It says he created the heavens, plural, and the earth. Now, in English, I know I've been over some of this before with you uh, about this, this word heavens here, but in English, we have a singular and we have a plural. It's either one or it's more than one, right? Uh, but in Hebrew, they also had a dual. They had a, a singular, a dual, and a plural. Anybody know what a dual is? If you have dual things, how many do you have? Two. Two. It helps that I put the answer up there, right? All right. Uh, but Yeah, everybody knows that. Uh, dual is two, okay? And so when it says God created the heavens and the earth, that is a dual noun. He created two heavens, heavens and the earth, okay? Now, the word for heaven, as we said, is a dual noun. It means two heavens. Now, if we start thinking about that, it's not hard for us to figure out which, which heavens it's talking about here. Uh, there are two heavens that we know of, two heavens that we can see with our eyes. Uh, there's the sky above us, which is usually what color? Blue, except when it's dark, right? 
And then there's a sky beyond that. There's a heaven beyond that, which is what we call space. And, uh, you know, Brother uh, Brown uh, did a great job the other night talking about the stars and, you know, how far it was, you know, just, just from here to some of the stars that we could see. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things he brought out was uh, that a rocket that is presently, I guess, traveling at 180,000 miles an hour, um, you know, it would take it billions of years to reach some of those stars that we could see with our own eyes. Now, the thing I kept wondering is, how does that rocket not run into something? But evidently it hasn't. So for all this time, it's been traveling at 180,000, maybe it just runs right through it. Uh, but it's been going for all that time, and it's going out into space, and it's just massive, you know, how big space is. It's just massive. Uh, but we, we see these two heavens, uh, this, these two heavens that we're talking about here. But the Bible talks about a third heaven, doesn't it? Right. The Bible talks about a third heaven, okay? Uh, and so that, that is what I'm trying to present, is that God was existing in that third heaven. In creation, he made the two heavens that we see and that we experience. Uh, but he was already existing in a third heaven, in another heaven. Uh, this heaven is the dwelling place of God. Um, in, in Job chapter 22, verse 12, it says, Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold, the height of the stars, how high they are. This is the heaven that Lucifer was cast from. In Isaiah 14, 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which, thou, uh, which did weaken the nations? Uh, this is the heaven that Jesus came from. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 38, it says, For I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Obviously, he didn't come from space. He came from heaven, the dwelling place of God. Heaven is the he uh, this is the heaven that Jesus also ascended to in Mark 16, 19. It says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. This is the heaven that Paul was called up to uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 2. It says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up into the third heaven. Uh, now, it's, it's accepted by most people, most, uh, most people have said this out, that, that Paul was probably talking about himself. And so he was evidently called up into a vision, <coughs> into the third heaven. And that's where we kind of get that doctrine about, uh, you know, that, that third one. This is the heaven that our saved loved ones have gone on to, who have uh, passed on before us. And this is the heaven that we one day will also call home. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse 16 through 17, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ arise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so what we see through all these verses is that this other heaven is a dwelling place of God. It too is eternal. It is eter God's eternal dwelling place. And uh, <coughs> so what we find through all these verses is that in the beginning, God created a temporary dwelling place for man, um, which is earth, of course, a temporary dwelling place, with the intentions that afterward man would live eternally in his own dwelling place with him. And so we have been placed on this earth for a, a few amount of years. And, uh, you know, the, the original intention and purpose is that every person, uh, after they, they had their stay here on earth, would eventually be, uh, be called up to heaven with him and, and to always uh, spend eternity with him. Of course, we know that sin got in the way and it's caused some problems. 
And so now only those who, uh, who trust in Christ are able to, uh, to have that heavenly abode. But nevertheless, he's still in that same heaven that he's always uh, been dwelling in. The book of Genesis is necessary for a proper understanding of the rest of the Bible and for a proper perception of our relationship with God. I pray that this study will be both interesting and beneficial to us all. Do we have any, <coughs> excuse me, any questions or comments about uh, what we've studied tonight? Everything I said make, make okay sense pretty well? All right, some of you could stop that, didn't you? Anybody else? With questions, comments, or anything? study. Uh, I know the book of Genesis is a, can be a very interesting book, and so I hope you'll make it next week as we uh, begin looking further into Genesis chapter 1.